Have you ever lost a loved one? If so, you've dealt with the grieving process. What are the various dimensions of grieving? Why do we say that everyone grieves differently? What should we do when we're grieving? And how can we minister to someone who's grieving? Why does knowing our Savior give us hope for the future? Stay tuned today as I interview Greg Daniel, a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries, and your host for today's program. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for being my guest today. Well, thank you, Kay. I really uh, appreciate being here. It's an important subject that I think we all need to have better understanding about. You bet. So we want to talk today about the grieving process, and it is a process, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what is grief, and why do different people deal differently with it? I think if we have to say just kind of like generically speaking, grief is the response to a loss in our life. And that's just a generic way of looking at it. Um, if we really take it to its core, when we're talking about like the loss of a loved one, we talk about death. Grief is actually the response to the separation of someone we've loved and still love, someone we've been bonded with and still want to be bonded with in some way. So it's really uh, about uh, going from what, I, what is typically called normal to trying to find a new normal. And that's why it's a process, mm-hmm. okay, is because you just don't go there overnight. It, it's a, a journey to get from normal to new normal. And so grief is, is that, that linear space, if you will, uh, that we have to we figure all that out. Prior to the program, you said that we grieve because we love. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Grief is, is actually rooted in love. Um, if you love someone and they're separated from you, you're going to, you're going to grieve that loss. Uh, if, you, if there was not love, there would not be grief. Why, why would you be sad that somebody's gone uh, if, if, you, if you didn't love them? Mm. So grief is actually rooted in love, which is a kind of a different way of looking at grief, I think, than maybe what we've traditionally thought about grief. It's, it's actually a, uh, a love expression. And, and so when somebody grieves and maybe you see some really intense uh, emotion out of that, that's only because they intensely loved. Mm. You know? so, so we try not to shame that in any way, shape, or form and really pull, pull it back to where it belongs. So grief is rooted in love. It's a love Dynamic. Okay, good. Well, uh, before we get into some of the dimensions of grief, uh, tell us just about someone you know that has lost a loved one and has gone through the grieving process. I think stories help people kind of get their hands around this. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, I work with a lot of people uh, in grief, uh, so there's lots of stories. But if if it's okay with you, I, I'm just going to share a little bit about my own story. Sure. Uh, those stories belong to, to other people. And so I'll, I'll share a little bit about mine. Uh, my son, uh, Jeremy, was killed in a uh, car accident. And he was 17 years of age. Uh, and I was notified of it by the highway patrol at my uh, front door at 11 o'clock at night. So uh, traumatic, sudden. Um, and that put me into the beginnings of the grief process, uh, which... 
the grief process is long and slow. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we want to avoid it and make it way too fast. So it was a, a, a long uh, journey, um, but uh, one that was, again, rooted in love and one that was also about relationship. Uh, it was about s- keeping a relationship with somebody in absence. And so um, that pretty much started everything, and it was uh, pretty – eye-opening experience. I had no prior really uh, um, experience with grief. And that's so true about most of our culture now. Mm-hmm. We were pretty much a death-free society um, for a lot of different reasons, you know, until people are uh, much older than what they used to be. You know, it used to be mm-hmm. uh, by the time children were 10 or 15, they'd already been to 20 or 30 funerals. Well, that doesn't happen now until we're not losing loved ones until we're like in our 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very eye-opening. And so the journey itself was a journey of discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the process itself is a process of discovery. Yeah. And just a, a point to that about the fact that often people don't go through any grief. We we tend to not take children to funerals anymore unless it's someone really close. I wrote some time ago about the fact that I think it's a good idea to take a child to a funeral parlor for someone they don't know so that you have an opportunity to talk about what happens and why people die before they have to go to the funeral of their grandmother or grandfather or mom or dad or brother or sister, someone that they really love, because then all the emotions are connected. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? With oh, that? absolutely. Absolutely. One of my uh, mentors, Dr. Alan Wolfelt. Um, is an advocate of, uh, of taking children uh, to, to funerals. Uh, he said one of the most common questions he gets is, uh, when, when is the appropriate age to take? And he, said, he says, when a child is capable of, to love, when they know how to love, then they should also be introduced to uh, somehow putting love together with the fact that there may be absence. Mm-hmm. And they begin to learn that younger. And Yeah, I, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, of course, years ago, the funerals were held in the homes, and that's just not uh, around anymore today. Isn't that so true? Yeah, yeah. so our our culture has changed. Well, we want to talk about the various dimensions of grief and uh, uh, maybe how different people go through that. And and maybe it would be good just to quickly kind of talk about what they are, and then we'll flush out one by one each of them, because... I, I don't know how much time or what you know whether we'll we'll have time to go through everyone, but I want to make sure we mention them. Sure. So if you would, the dimensions of grief. What sure, and I really appreciate you using the word dimension. Uh, what's kind of caught in our culture is the idea that there's stages in uh-huh. grief, and, and um, from a historical perspective, that came from Elizabeth Kubler Ross back in the '60s, who was the first person that really kind of started taking a look at what happens to people when they're having to process the fact that there's going to be loss. And so she used the term stages, and that's kind of gotten stuck, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she, matter of fact, before, uh, before she passed away, she, she expressed regret at, at using the word stage because our society got caught with a stage as being something that's very linear. So you're going to go from one of these, oh. and then when you're done with that one, you're going to go to the next one, and when you're done. And so it became this very linear West. It's, our, it's part of our Western mentality, actually. Uh, it became a very linear process. She never meant for it to be that way. She, what she was doing was pointing out different 
And so we use the word dimension now instead of stage because any one of these that we're about to discuss, they, more than one can be present all at the same time. Oh, sure. You know, it's not this very nice, neat thing. It's actually maybe a little messy. Um, commonly, uh, the ones that if, if I was going to use uh, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's uh, dimensions, uh, we'd be talking about denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. These are common uh, themes that are found uh, through um, numerous people's griefs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so the, the, what I do is I also put on the end of that, and this is just me. This is not Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. I also put forgiveness mm. as one of the dimensions that, that is explored by people uh, as they're going through the grieving process mm. because that becomes a very important part of it as well. Yeah. And so every person doesn't go through every dimension. Now, I was thinking about that, and my husband's grandmother was 103 when she passed away. And we had done a lot of grieving from the time she was 93 when she went into the nursing home until she died when she was 103. And it was really a celebration uh, for her. And uh, I, I, I know we grieved, but not like we grieved when my mother passed away or when our sons passed away. So everybody has different ways of grieving. And sometimes because you've kind of done your grieving while they're still here and ill, would you say that might be one of the reasons? That's absolutely perfectly correct. Uh, Actually, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross did her studies with families who had a member that was terminally ill. That's how she began all this. And that's how she started seeing this grieving process. Uh, and, and it's also important, I think, to recognize that um, the, the, the grieving process for somebody is going to be very different uh, based on the person involved, mm-hmm. on some of their well, maybe previous training, if you will, about uh, what grief is and what good grief looks like. Uh, it, it's definitely related to the relationship. You know, you're going to grieve uh, maybe a parent uh, who's 100 years old differently than you're going to grieve, you know, a child who's 40 or a child who's 17, uh, just because of the, the nature of the relationship at that stage of life. And so the relationship, I think, is a, is a major component in the grief that's going to happen. Uh, no, we don't, we, and as far as those, those dimensions are concerned, we don't prescribe that, oh, you must do right. wh- every you one of go, these. You oh, you skipped one of those. Uh-huh. No, no. Right. You know, there's there just as there is maybe the, this idea of commonality or something similar. That's all these dimensions are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't take away the fact that grief is a, a incredibly personal thing as well, unique to the individual involved and unique to the relationship with the, the lost uh, lost loved one. Yeah. Well, let's talk about denial. Uh, why does that happen? Mm. Why? Uh, do people deny this, and how do they process through that? Um, yeah, denial is the first first dimension, if you will, that's usually experienced. Uh, I, I really think, um, you know, if I was going to say what is denial about, it's really a, a part of a slowing down. I think I mentioned earlier that grief is a slow process. This denial sets the stage for I need to take this slow. I don't. I don't need to push through this really fast. I, I need to slow down with it. And so denial kind of sets the stage for that because part and parcel of that is some numbing. 
if you will. Mm-hmm. We don't take it all in all at once. Mm-hmm. I, I, I seriously believe if we had to take in everything from an emotional um, vantage point that the grief is going to mean, it would be too much for us to actually physically handle. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of a, a numbing process that allows us to slow down. And uh, it serves a really good purpose as one of the one of the dimensions because if we get too speeded up, this this denial can show up, and it can show up various unusual ways. I'm, it, it's all despite our intellect. I uh, quick little story. I, I knew uh, after my son's funeral, my son was dead. Uh, but that very night, sitting in my living room, somebody came up our front steps and. And my son used to wear big boots, so it was pretty resounding, him coming up the steps. And somebody came up the steps that way, and my, I immediately, I mean, without hesitation, thought, oh, my gosh, all oh, this has been just a bad dream. Mm-hmm. He's home. Mm-hmm. He's come home. That was almost a sense of denial mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. And so, and it's also not unusual for that to show up, oh, for long periods of time in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why it's good to take it out of being a linear stage. Yes. Because it's going to show up unexpectedly. Times. Yeah, good. Um, well, what about um, the the pain and guilt? I I I remember, uh, as I said to you prior to the um, program starting, I host the program. I do programs, but as the president of Family Shield Ministries, I minister to many donors, and I have had four donors in the last year that lost a loved one. And um, and and know them very well, um, and one of them has had a lot of guilt. She thought she did something wrong. So talk a little bit about pain and guilt okay. in the grieving process. Yeah, the the pain. I, I think we have to come back to the idea of separation. There's pain and separation, anguish mm-hmm. and separation, mm-hmm. and the pain. Uh, I think is is a very human response to that. Uh, to, to feel that pain. Uh, the, the, in in the, my working model, how I work with, with people, um, you almost, good grief almost requires you to embrace the pain. Mm. We, we're in a culture, we're in a feel-good mm. culture that can't wait to run away from anything that hurts. Yet, if we look historically and traditionally, uh, we, we knew that somehow uh, giving hurt its due uh, was ultimately a healing kind of thing. We're okay with, with, with looking at that from a medical model. You know, sometimes when there's healing going on, there's also some pain that can happen. And, and so we, we know that, that pain is something that can be an expression of a healing process. Uh, so the pain is, is, I think, appropriate to be there, and we need to give it its due. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a bad thing for the pain to be there. I loved, I loved my son. Mm-hmm. It was painful for him to be away from me and to be in separation right, right now. Right. Um, the guilt, that, that's really an, an interesting uh, one because even though we intellectually know that this is not a fixable problem, there is still a part in our emotional world that will we're, we're looking for solutions. We're looking for, how did this happen? How could, it, how could I maybe... Um, I had done this differently or done that differently or did I do something, you know, we're all that it, it, on an emotional level. We're still we still kind of try to find a way to fix it. We're wanting to fix it so bad mm-hmm. because it hurts so much. Yeah. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about anger? Anger um, is is one of probably one of the most understood, at least, uh, dimensions um, as far as uh, being prevalent in, in our society. People understand what mm-hmm. what anger is. Um, anger uh, it really serves the purpose of of saying it's it's a protest. Really, it's saying I don't like what's going on here. And as much as I can uh, understand that my, my son, I, I believe, is in heaven, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, there's still, yeah, but I want him here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want him with me. Sure. And, and so, so the idea of having losing something, and in some ways, some people use the term taken from me. Mm-hmm. Um, when we lose something or something is taken from us, we're not happy campers. And so anger is going to show up. That's just a basic human emotion uh, that I think is God-given mm-hmm. uh, and, and is used properly that channels into the right direction. Uh, so so a lot, sometimes people you know, are quite sure about what to do with the anger, mm-hmm. and I usually just tell them it's okay to be angry. Yeah, I think sometimes we just need, as we minister to those that are going through this, we need to say it's okay to feel the way you're feeling instead of what we often get. And I remember when my mom passed away, one of my good Christian friends said, well, okay, you're a Christian. You shouldn't be grieving. Mm. Not good theology. (laughs) But (laughs) at the time, uh, it was really the first time I had had someone, uh, and I was in my 50s, that I was really close to and loved a lot pass away pretty suddenly I didn't quite understand, but there is a lot of times Christians say things that are inappropriate or wrong even. So just comment on that. Sure, thanks. That, that is such a, a great point to bring up. Um, usually it's in the midst of grief, and, and I, I work with so many people that this comes up all the time, that friends, family, pastors, people hurt them uh, and, and almost do damage. Um, and, and I had to, I had to think about that for a long time. And, and I, I finally realized, I think uh, more often than not, they're trying to fix it for us. Mm-hmm. They want us, it, it's, it's out of, they, want they us love us. Stop feeling bad. Yeah. They don't want us to hurt. Um, and so, so they're going to say things that they think are going to fix it. Well, what did we just discuss? This is not a fixable situation. And so you have a, a process to go through that you have to work through. And that when, when, when people make those statements, uh, it's maybe um, too quickly. It's maybe out of, out of sync with where you are. You, you, you will get to places maybe where you can understand or you feel okay with maybe even some of those comments, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're not going to be there while you're in the midst of experiencing the grief. Good. I have a few announcements, and then we'll come back to continue talking about the grieving process. Family Shield Ministries needs your help. If you enjoyed listening to Family Shield, would you email us or Facebook a message to us and tell us what you like about the program? If you have a story of how the program touched you or helped you, also let us know that. We may use some of these stories on our Facebook page, on our website, or on the radio program, but we won't use names unless you give us your permission. Uh, thank you so much for thinking about that. If you can do that, email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Again, that's witness2family 
at gmail.com. Today, Family Shield is giving away the complimentary booklet, Grief, When Sadness and Hope Meet. To receive the booklet, call the Family Shield Response Center at 1-877-250-8416 or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. When you write, don't forget to give us your complete name and address. Family Shield programs can also be heard through the archive page on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. You can send prayer requests, program suggestions, or a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Now I want to go back to my guest, Greg Daniel, a licensed professional counselor. We've been talking about the grieving process. Uh, Greg, right now, why don't you just tell our listeners, especially for those that might be in the St. Louis area, a little bit about your counseling uh, work and uh, where they can contact you? Sure. Thanks, Kay. Um, I'm a co-founder of Kaleo Counseling Services, and we have offices both in St. Charles and in um, Webster Groves. Um, and it was founded, um, some years back, uh, after my own personal experience mm-hmm. that I shared a little bit and then moved into, uh, I moved into counseling, uh, knowing that I wanted to help other people who are going through this process because it's a, uh, not, we, we don't talk about this a lot. No, Families don't. maybe demonstrated it, mm-hmm. uh, but, but nowadays we're so removed from it. We don't talk about it yet. It's, it's going to touch everybody it is. at some point. And so part of my goal was to give to people something maybe better than my experience uh, and to kind of companion and walk with them uh, through the process Mm -hmm. and to to validate the fact that as human beings, we were created to experience this a certain way. And so I work with uh, uh, more often than not with with, uh, people who are in different areas of grief, uh, different dimensions of grief. And um, and so we just kind of work through and find find their road, if you will, to healing. Mm-hmm. Good, good. That's great. And if anybody uh, wants that information, they can email us or call us, and we'd be happy to pass that on. We like uh, to find good Christian counselors that can help people with the many issues that they deal with on their in their daily life. Uh, and and we can easily be reached on the internet. Oh, good. Uh, uh, Kaleo stl That's K A L E O which is a Greek word to mean, which means to invite. Uh, and then we put STL behind it for St. Louis, sure. uh, dot com. Okay, wonderful. Well, right before the uh, announcements, we were talking about uh, the, de- uh, the the different aspects of the grieving process. We talked about anger. Uh, let's talk about depression or loneliness. That mm-hmm. seems to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the The depression really is is a internal response to the fact that what I want can't be had. Obviously, when we were talking earlier about, you know, trying to fix it and stuff, that's what we want. We want that person back. And so when we begin to even toy with the idea of just, that's not really going to happen, depression is, is the, the sadness is the normal response. Now, what's interesting in our society, if I can make just a, a cultural statement, um, there is a depression that is due to grief, and then there is clinical depression, and those are two different things. Uh, the, the, the depression that is, is due to grief, is, it used to be called melancholy. Mm. 
uh, and, and people recognize the fact you're going to be sad. You can't have what you want. You can't be reunited, at least on this side of heaven, mm-hmm. with, with the person that you love and that you were bonded with and that you had made a life with in different ways. And so the, the idea then of being without something that you love and you want is a sadness. So when we talk about depression in terms of a dimension you know, of grieving, we're not talking about the clinical depression. But in our society, those have become so um, uh, uh, like they're the same thing when they're really not. They're really not. So the, the intense sadness, again, that's, a, that's a, an expression of love. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be sad about not having the person we love present with us. Mm-hmm. The, the loneliness, that, that happens a lot in, uh, where I'm seeing it anyway, uh, in, in the grief that happens when a, there's been a spousal death. Mm-hmm. Because you're used to being together. And Abs- all of a sudden, you're alone. Absolutely. There's an expression that when you lose a parent, you lose your past. When you lose a child, you lose your future. But when you lose a spouse, you lose your present. Mm. So there's a loss of your presence, a loss of some of really who you were. Uh, it's part of your identity. Mm-hmm. And so that, that by its nature, is going to introduce a sense of loneliness in there. The other factor in loneliness is the idea that um, grief is something that we have to do on our own as well. Mm-hmm. Now, we can talk about it, and there can be – very sympathetic people, um, and there can be lots of good aids and helps through the grieving process, but ultimately there's going to be pieces of it that only you can do, and that is going to make you feel alone. Okay. Well, we have two minutes left, and I want to just ask one more question. Why can Christians have hope even when they've lost a loved one? That's a great question. Well, first of all, I think we have to look at, at, to the Word of God. And, and the, the very first point would be that and Jesus even said, Blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because they shall be comforted. And then what is that comfort? I think we see that in the, 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 the rest of Scripture. You know, one is that um, uh, in First Thessalonians, it says, We should not grieve as those who have no hope. Now, it doesn't say we don't grieve. It just says we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We can have a hope. And what is our hope? Our hope is found in the fact of the resurrected Christ, that there is life beyond, that this is not the end, but there's an eternity to be experienced, and we can have great hope then. Wonderful. Thank you so much. My guest, again, has been Greg Daniel, and uh, we've been talking about the grieving process. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. And uh, you can learn more about Family Shield Ministry on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. We do have a couple other programs on our archive page on this topic, so we would also be happy to share that with you. You can also go to our our archive page and uh, find them. Uh, But if you can't find them because there's lots of topics, just uh, email us at witness to family at gmail.com. Again, this is Kay Meyer. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com 
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230-015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.